This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I'm trying. I am trying to find somebody here in Cartersville, Georgia, to say something bad about Trevor Lawrence. I just can't. There's someone waiting at the door. Maybe they're, they're, they're thinking about it. Nah, can't find anything. Can't find anything. We are at Cartersville High School here in Cartersville, Georgia. Brett Martin, along with Stuart Weber, who obviously uh, joining us on the trip. Uh, you saw him. You heard from him yesterday here on the show. Also, uh, a lot of TV stuff going on with CBS 47 and Fox 30. I, I would say this is the house that Trevor built, but it's not really, although he could help build it some more <laughs> down the road uh, with some millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars coming his way over the next uh, maybe decade and more for Trevor Lawrence. So we're here in Cartersville, Georgia. Once again, Trevor Lawrence's hometown. Really had a fun time so far. We'll be hitting the road after tonight's uh, early show on TV. And we're here with you until 5.30 tonight. We've got a little Florida State basketball against Miami that's uh, cutting off our show a half hour early. So uh, we'll go to Florida State, Miami at 5.30, the official station for the Florida State Seminoles football and basketball in Jacksonville. Brent Martineau here, Austin Lane, and Coos back there. What's happening on a Wednesday back home in Jacksonville? Uh, same old stuff over here. Still decent weather. I'm sure it's kind of the same by you. I guess we're having, we have some audio issues here, Coos. People say they can't hear us. Maybe that's just, I don't know, who knows what's going on. But um, not my, I'm, sh- I'm trying to figure out what stocks I should invest in to make a quick buck here, Brent. That's what I'm really yes. doing right now, man. Because yes. Why are we missing these opportunities? The, I know. And, you know, usually they say if, it's, uh, if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. But there's a lot of people right now that are having that too good to be true kind of phase, and they're succeeding. So I might have to start going to the stock market a little bit, man. People are making a killing right now. Well, listen, you play the stocks a little bit. Like, I don't do that. I mean, I've got my 401K, but I don't really pay attention. I've started to kind of look into it a little bit more um, and just say, eh, let's let's see if, if we can kind of learn a little bit more about it, right? And, and I, I really don't know too much. Just kind of, hey, throw it in the pile, 401K, wherever it is. You tell me what to do with it, and, and I believe you. And uh, it's grown. Okay, so that's good. I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing in the stock market. Well, there's all sorts of happenings now. And you know, we got our buddy Brandon Ponsel. JacksCoastalHomes.com. He came on about a month ago, and he told us about the stock. Remember? He kind of yeah, like absolutely. whispered to us, said, hey, this might not be a bad investment. You know, since he came on our show, it's doubled. <laughs> and I'm like, why didn't I put anything on that? A, that was a free tip for everybody right there. Why didn't we put more? Why didn't we put anything on that or something on that? And then Coos is telling us the last couple of days about this GameStop deal. Yeah. And, you know, Coos's investment is like, you know, fifteen dollars in it, but hey, so you got to start somewhere. Absolutely. And and so he said, ah, it's starting to go down a little bit. We'll see where it goes. Well, then all of a sudden, GameStop today. I mean, you guys know more about this. I just saw like the headline. It's like three hundred and seventeen dollars a share. Yeah. Kuzja said he sold out at like sixty-five dollars a couple weeks ago, or last week, or yesterday, or whenever he did it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we don't talk stocks on this show very much. We just talk the stock of Trevor Lawrence and other players, but. What is going on with the GameStop stuff? What is going on with Wall Street? What's happening in the stock market? Should we be giving so, people tips? No, I mean, uh, no. We definitely should be giving people tips because I'm not going to be held accountable for any of that. But essentially what's going on right now is, um, let's put it like this. Dilla, right? You, you know who Dilla is. 
Yes. Dylan's well, kind of. I've heard of him. Yeah. D- Dylan, you know who he is. D- Dylan's got sources, okay? And sometimes Dylan breaks the news, right? And sometimes, not saying it's you, but sometimes when he breaks the news, that can make um, other people in your profession upset, right? Because who is he? He didn't earn his stripes. He's breaking the news, and nobody else is, right? That's so, right. like, th- that can rub people the wrong way. That's essentially what's happening right now in terms of the stock market, where you have pages on you know, like Reddit and things like that, where people are saying, hey, let's go ahead and buy this stock and let's make it go up a lot. And then let's, you know, obviously everybody benefits from that because when you buy stock, well, the the, the value is going to say, well, if people are buying the stock, the price goes up a little bit. And that's what's taking part right now. So essentially what's going on is it's, it's almost like, you know, it's almost, I don't know, it's, I'll be honest, it's kind of like a middle finger to all the investors out there, like the professional brokers and things like that, because now you have people on Reddit that are essentially calling the shots and kind of turning the stock market on its head right now. Yeah, so, but is this just like a little fad? Is this a little flirtation? Is this a little like, like uh, just a, a social media kind of bump? But it's not a long-term play then, right? I mean, this just say, hey, we're going to try to flex our muscles a little bit and show you what we can do. Is Is that... The interpretation, again, I, I, I have not read much on it. I've yeah. just seen the emails going back and forth. I've seen the headlines. Uh, it's a story. I mean, it's a, it's a big story, and, and it's legal, right? <laughs> well, te- yes and no. So technically, is it a play? Is it a long play? It can be if they can't find a way to stop it, and they can't find a way to regulate it, right? Because obviously, and this happened at 50 Cent a, a long time ago. 50 Cent said, hey, guys, go online and invest in this stock. Well, it was like a penny stock, right? Well, everybody did it, and the stock went up, and so on and so on. But like, what's taking place here, it's like no one's really going out there and saying, hey, you got to invest all your money right now. Like, there's there's people out there that are buying into it, but like, as far as the government's concerned, I'm not sure if they really have a case against these people to say, all right, well, they're, they're, this is grade A collusion. Like, th- that's the, that's kind of the whole loophole right now that's going on with this message board is that there, there is no one person that's saying, hey, you guys, go and invest right now. There's no insider trading. Everybody's doing it. And, and you're not gonna, you're not gonna arrest or you're not gonna tax, you know, thousands or maybe millions, of, probably thousands and tens of thousands of people who are investing in the stock at the same time because there's no jurisdiction for that. So that's what's going on right now. So if they can't find a way to, to stop this essentially and they don't change any of the rules, I'd say go for it. And you thought Bitcoin was a big thing. See that? Right. Uh, how about that? All of a sudden it's, it's, it's real stuff <laughs> according to most. Uh, people are still trying to figure out what Bitcoin is on uh, on some levels. But uh, anyway, there's your little stock tip. Yeah. We will have Mike Lester from uh, Talon Wealth Management coming up in our Money Minute later on in the program. Brett Martineau, Austin Lane. Uh, we've got Baseball Hall of Fame. I want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, it's a similar thought for me. It, can't, it doesn't have to be a long discussion. Uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame, really weird right now, right? Leroy Butler from Jacksonville, from Lehigh School, Green Bay Packer, uh, Lambeau Leap. Didn't get in the Hall of Fame. Apparently, he tweeted that out. But this is like no rhyme or reason at all for how they're doing this. All of a sudden, we learned like 12 hours before the vote was taking place, the vote was taking place. That wasn't public. Uh, and then we still have no idea when Tony Baselli and others are going to find out. Well, it sounds like some people have found out. Not sure if everybody found out. Uh, what? And, and on top of that, Austin, what I think is kind of interesting is usually leagues are somewhat respectable, respectful of other big things going on. Well, the Baseball Hall of Fame always announces around this time. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, did the NFL, uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, try to trump them in the sense of a day later, we're hearing 
stories of like Leroy Butler who, who might not have gotten in the Hall of Fame. So there's nothing official out there. But it's going to be interesting to see who can keep things a secret what things leak out, and when we actually know. I, I haven't seen anything about when we actually will find out. I just kind of assumed and had heard that it might be the day before the Super Bowl, like it usually is. Yeah, I mean, as far as the leak stuff's concerned, like, I'm not sure like who is to supposedly not in and not out. Like, have they mentioned Tony Baselli yet? They haven't? Nah, we or? haven't seen that. And, and that, okay. that doesn't – they might just ask – folks to stay quiet and some will and some won't you know yeah I well mean, Leroy Butler obviously didn't get the message because he put out on Twitter today that he didn't get in oh I got you okay cool um I mean not cool for him obviously I would want to see him get in I mean he's the he's the author of the Lambo leap come on man I mean that alone right there should get you in the hall of fame you should have your own wing where you're jumping in the stands I think someday. that yeah hopefully someday you know with with the hall of fame the NFL hall of fame more specifically here I was never a fan of how they went about doing this whole thing. Like, I understand that you vote a certain amount of guys in. I'm not opposed to that. I wish that it, you would have um, kind of like a council a little bit, though, of, of like former players that also kind of have a say, because I feel like it's all media members, and sometimes, especially like with Tony Baselli, where you don't have necessarily the stats, because let's be honest, you played offensive line, so you, you can't point to a stat and say, this is how you did. You go by word of mouth, and you go up by what your peers say, and sometimes that can get lost in translation a little bit. So I wish there was more of the of a player input. But more importantly, I just wish that like there wasn't this waiting period of okay, there's the finalists now. It's almost like the bachelor, the bachelorette where it's like you're waiting in a room and oh, is he going to pick me or is he not like you know, like I think there's an easier way, there there's a more systematic way that you can go about doing this as opposed to playing off the suspense because in my opinion at least, nobody appreciates the suspense of waiting for the NFL Hall of Fame vote. Like it's not like we have a clock right now we're counting down the days until they announce it. You know, so like I wish they would stop trying to build it up. Like I mean, it, it's a huge deal, don't get me wrong, but you don't have to go out of your way to build up suspense and kind of fabricate suspense. It should do that all already by itself. Yeah, and so it, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know what they were trying to accomplish with the early vote, trying to keep it secret, lock away the, the votes, but now some people know. Like, it, again, it just feels kind of disjointed, and to me that's a little bit interesting. Um, but we'll see what happens. I don't even know why they had to vote so soon. I don't know why they couldn't have just voted next week virtually and then do, do what they always do and, and announce it on Saturday. And that's when you find out. I mean, they usually vote on Saturday, do presentations in the morning, uh, vote, and then they go knock on the door or give the phone call. And so there's no hang time at all. This this time around, they created this, like you said, this suspense and unknown that even, I don't even think Tony Baselli initially knew, like, when he was going to find out. Uh, maybe he wasn't sharing, but uh, there's there's just a lot of unknowns with it. We'll see what happens. By the way, our schedule could take us to the Pro Football Hall of Fame Ooh. on this trip in the next uh, few days. So right now we are at Cartersville High School. Uh, home of Trevor Lawrence, Cartersville, Georgia, of course. They are uh, the, the the Purple Canes. You know, a lot of purple around here. He didn't. He, he switched over to Clemson. They got a little purple, right, along yeah, with the orange. And so uh, didn't have to change his colors so much. The, the we went, Purple Canes. Yeah, Purple Canes. Like hurricanes, right? Yep. Okay. In fact, in the end zone, they have, like, you know, the hurricane warning sign. You know, we're, oh, we're familiar with that. I, I like that, yeah. So they got that. They got, That's like, the cool. flags out, like that you'd have them at the beach. Yeah, okay. So That's okay. pretty good. I'm not mad at that, uh, man. And, and so I'm going to set the scene here uh, with the Cartersville High School. And we're like vagabonds, man. We're just, like, driving, and all of a sudden, we'll be like, where are we going to do the show today? Oh, well, we talked to uh, Coach 
uh, former, well, he's been on the coaching staff. He wasn't the head coach when Trevor was here. Now he's the head coach. And, uh, well, after we talked to him, we said, what do you think if we just do it right here, right outside the building and, and the facility? And uh, here we are. We may have to go inside his office because uh, the rains could be coming. In fact, it's drizzling a little bit mm-hmm. uh, here in Cartersville. But right inside is this brand-new facility. And these high school facilities in Georgia, holy cats, man. I mean, this is a – I guarantee you this. This is better than Murray State had when you were there. I mean, like guaranteed. Well, and, and I don't know if that's saying it's better than the way we had at Ashland, and it's better than a lot of colleges. So this isn't a knock on our alma maters. Yeah. I mean, it is that good, and it's just a couple years old. Their weight room facility. Well, listen. I mean, yeah, you're not saying much being better than Murray State because we we're the last school in the country that played on AstroTurf uh, for my first two years. So I mean, <laughs> I see real grass behind you, and it looks like. I mean, obviously, it's it is the winter time. So you know the, the the grass could be a little greener, but that's Mother Nature, man. That's just the way that works. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna yes. fault the grounds crew for that or anything. But it looks like you got some pretty lush, thick, nice cut grass behind you there. And yeah, I put on AstroTurf. Sure, sure, so I'm sure that their weight room and their facilities absolutely trump Murray State's. Yeah, no doubt about it. So uh, this is um, this is where he played football. And the story here is okay uh, with Trevor Lawrence. He. He comes in his freshman year. He's much talked about, all right? So although the legend of Trevor Lawrence begins in ninth grade, his freshman year here, when he took over the job a couple games into the season for an injured quarterback, it actually started back in seventh and eighth grade, and people were like, wait until you see this kid. Mm. It was one of those things. But how many, you know, even Coach said today we were talking, about was like, well, how many people say that, especially nowadays, like, wait till you see this kid, right? <laughs> and, well, then this guy comes out for a spring practice, and they're like, whoa, okay. Um, it, I think I think he said they saw him in the spring. Maybe it was, and uh, and now he comes in and plays a couple games in, and takes over for injured three-star quarterback uh, Miller. What's his name in Alabama? Forrestall. Uh, Miller Forrestall is the quarterback. He's uh, of this Cartersville High School team, and he's a couple years older than Trevor. He's apparently a three-star guy, and he gets injured. And so a couple years in, Trevor Lawrence takes over, a couple games in, and, well, Miller Forrestal is now a national championship tight end at Alabama. Wow. And also will likely be an NFL player. So coming out of Cartersville High School, (laughs) former three-star quarterback, who had to move to tight end essentially Mm -hmm. because of the greatness of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Does that put it in perspective or what? I mean, that's the power of Trevor Lawrence, man. If you're buying, he's going to make you change positions. Like, don't, hey, best advice I can give you. If you're a quarterback, get out of his way. You better transfer or else you're playing tight end. Uh, so, anyway, that's kind of a little bit of the backstory of how it started. He goes on to lose uh, four games in high school, although some people say he didn't even really lose the couple of them he didn't start. So they go on his record as four losses. But we just talked to a guy at Scott's Barbecue across the street, and he was telling us, he's like, I think he really only lost two games that he started. And one of the games that he lost was his senior year in the playoffs on a last-second touchdown when the clock struck zero. Mm. So that's one of the losses. The other loss comes his freshman year in the state semifinals. They go undefeated sophomore year, junior year. And then you know what he did at Clemson, 34-2 and national championship. So his only losses in his career, Austin, have come in semifinal games and championship games. That's it. Yeah. 
I mean, I mean, it's it's really unbelievable when you when you look at what he's accomplished. And I know we keep saying it, but now that we're here and we're listening to people talk about him and rave about him and all these nice things, and and everybody to a to a man says this kid's an unbelievable football player. You know he's going to be great, and he has been great. But he's a better guy. <laughs> like everybody in this town, like they have to say that they throw that in. Uh, but it's not just a throw-in; it's a genuine comment from them. How just how good of a guy this is, uh, this Trevor Lawrence is. So, Whoa. and we haven't even met him, right? I yeah, mean, we don't even sure. know him. Yeah. But like, I feel like I know him already now after a couple of days here in Cartersville, Georgia. Well, yeah, it's called stalking. Listen, I think that in terms of Shad Khan, he needs to go ahead and get some kind of emotional support group kind of thing going on because listen, you have Urban Meyer who hasn't lost that much, right? And now you have Trevor Lawrence who hasn't lost that much. You have the 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 captain of the team, if you will, and Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he has to earn that. I get that, but let's be honest. He's going to be the captain of the team. And then you have Urban Meyer, who's the culture builder. They haven't lost. Like, they don't know really how to lose. I wonder, and once again, who knows what's going to happen the first year in Jacksonville here. They could be in contention for a division, depending on, you know, how messed up uh, this division is right now with Houston and Indianapolis teams a quarterback and all this stuff. But it begs the question, like... How, how is the response going to be if you lose three or four games in a row? Because they're not accustomed to it. Yeah, and that's what I've asked people. You know, I did ask Coach today that, and I asked some other folks that we were talking to even off camera. It's like, how is he going? To, that's one of my big questions about him is how will he deal with that sense of adversity? And, you know, he, he hates losing. Um, it's hard to be great without hating losing. And we know Urban Meyer can't stand losing to the point, where, you know, where it drives him, you know, batty. Mm. Um and so I think you do have that. I don't think you can sleep on that component. You have two big-time winners at the college level and, and really in their life uh, as they've competed, and they are bringing that mentality to Jacksonville. And while I don't get too wrapped up in saying, hey, there's a loser mentality in Jacksonville, it's just that underneath everything is the constants of loss after loss after loss on the football field. And you can't hide from that. That's the way it is. So I, I think just the nature of how much these guys have won. And, you know, we've talked about it in the past. When you go get a Malik Jackson who's won a Super Bowl, and when you get some of these guys that have won and you bring them into your locker room, it does make a difference. And so I really do wonder how much Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, their winning ways, their, the amount of success they've experienced, uh, that just losing just won't happen for them, will kind of be contagious. Uh, in, at Jags headquarters, and, and I think it, it sounds a little bit fictitious to kind of say that, but I do think it could be real and, and something mm-hmm. that this organization needs. Yeah, without a doubt, you know, and like, you know, it's just it's very peculiar because I mean, and I can't remember what Urban Meyer's record was at Utah, but I assume I mean he won a lot more than he lost, obviously. You know, like when you talk about Malik Jackson, like yeah, Malik Jackson is a great example because he kind of he came from the culture of they went to the Super Bowl. Did now did he win one or did he did he go to one? No, he won. He, he won. Yeah, with, he, he, he was won the a, winning that Denver went and they won and lost. Yeah, but he was on the winning one. That's like remember he one. scored a touchdown, picked up the fumble, That's and right. landed in the end zone on the touchdown. That was against uh, Carolina. Gotcha. So obviously he's won a Super Bowl, so he knows what that's about. But I'm sure like Malik Jackson probably didn't come from every single season where he was winning all the time. Like I'm sure he's come from at least one losing season and, and sometimes it's the losses that mean the most because that's where you do the, you, you you learn the most you you do the most growth here not to say that Trevor Lawrence hasn't doesn't have growth because listen this guy has been a one since day one it seems like and urban Meyer obviously has a resume that speaks for itself and it just you have to know how to lose in this league M- maybe more than even you know have to know how to win like yes yeah. losing is gonna happen 
But how do you respond to that? Like, that's what makes a great team a great team. That's what makes the Kansas City Chiefs the Kansas City Chiefs, right? They play Las Vegas early on in the season. Las Vegas had no business being the Kansas City Chiefs, but they did. But then what happened after that? Well, then you kind of had a, a sense of motivation if you're, if you're KC. You kind of have a sense of, all right, we're not going to lose too many more games. Well, they lost, I think, a couple more after that. But my point is, what did you learn from it? We've seen here in Jacksonville, when you go on these losing streaks, there's no lessons learned per se. It's just more losing and losing. So I guess the biggest question going forward now with Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer is, what type of losers are they? And I'm, once again, you got to care about how I, how I paraphrase, <laughs> yeah, how I paraphrase that. that. But, um, what, yeah, what, what type of losers are they, and what do they learn from it, and can they improve on it not only from themselves, but also obviously get everybody around them rallied as well? Yeah, it becomes cliche sometimes in sports when you do lose that eats at people more, right? People will talk about the two losses to the Giants for Tom Brady and the Patriots and mm-hmm. Bill Belichick. Nick Saban just said it recently, right? The two losses in national title games that he's had. Those things eat at him uh, more than anything else. Uh, or, or, you know, so I think that there's something that's uh, kind of a common denominator with the big-time winners is just how much the losing is. And, and there's that old cliche of, I hate losing more than I like winning, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and I get it. I, I think that's part of it. The problem is, <laughs> or not the problem. But Trevor Lawrence hasn't even had to taste hating losing. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, listen, it actually, in hindsight, he, he's lost maybe four or six times, whatever it is in his career. But they've been stinging losses because, you know, it's much easier to take a loss in week three than it is to lose in a state semifinal game or a college football playoff semifinal. Those really sting, Absolutely. you know, because you're so close to the promised land. We'll continue to talk about Trevor Lawrence. One of the topics today is he's been great here in Cartersville High School. He was great at Clemson. Just how good will he be, and especially initially in the NFL? What do we think? Is it Joe Burrow? Is it Patrick Mahomes? How soon before we talk about Trevor Lawrence as one of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL, or are we just going to say, well, he's better than what Jacksonville has had? We'll talk about that and so much more coming up live from Cartersville, Georgia, Trevor Lawrence's hometown on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. It's, it's, there's three islands, and it can be very nice and lucrative, by the way. You could be a huge winner, but you could be a huge loser, too. You might not have a boat to get home. Austin Lane. Well, I like that, now. I love that analogy. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It's another testament to the kind of person he is, where you have a lot of, you know, high school athletes that'll want to sit in front of a gym and to pick a hat and have all this attention on their decision. I remember when he made his decision, it was simply through Twitter with a picture of his family with Dabo Sweeney and said, please respect my decision and please understand no interviews. It was something to that effect. Again, with people online, uh, there were a lot of people that were big Trevor fans that were angry that he wasn't going to Georgia. How could you leave the state of Georgia? Uh, My tact was always, as it is for any high school student, I don't care if you're going to Clemson or if you're going to North Dakota Tech. If somebody wants to give you the opportunity to play football and advance your education, I want you to go somewhere where you're going to be happy, where you're going to be successful, and where you're going to be, you know, have a have a great college experience. And I think he picked a place that was absolutely perfect for him. Well, he got to pick that place, and that place was Clemson, South Carolina. That was the mayor when we were caught up with uh, the mayor of Cartersville yesterday, Matt Santini, uh, who also calls the Cartersville. Purple Canes games on Friday nights. And uh, he doesn't get to pick this next stop. But I will say this. 
talking to more folks around here in Cartersville, they feel a little bit the way we do, too. And I don't think anybody's going to say, man, I'm so glad he didn't go to New York or he's not going to go to New York. It's not that. It's not It's not as hastily said as the New York folks did about, I can't believe he's going to end up in Jacksonville. He's never going to make any money up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it's not that kind of tone, okay? So I want to make sure I represent this in the right way. But there is this sense of who he is and how he would fit in New York versus how he would fit in a place like Jacksonville. Just given the smaller market, uh, staying in the southeast, those things, there is this consensus feel that this is going to be a good stop for him, a good place for him. Mm -hmm. And there's also this feel, Austin, that he's got some things around him. You know, uh, and, and I do think that's the underspoken part of this. And I'm telling some folks up here in our discussions that, you know, you come into this situation sometimes the number one draft pick. I mean, think about what Peyton Manning walked into. I don't think it was a very good team. Andrew Luck, different story. He had a pretty decent football team around him. Yeah. Um, and, and he obviously propelled them. And I don't know if it's either or in Jacksonville. It's probably somewhat in between, if that makes sense. Uh, but the Jags offense is not bad. They have some good pieces, and they could use a quarterback that could make some of those pieces better. And so I think there's a chance for some success in Jacksonville, and I think a lot of folks around here do too uh, believe that, more so than even New York, who appears from the outside to have a little bit more uh, of, of uh, I would say, a weaker roster, but also just the issues seem maybe a little bit more pronounced at times, and we'll see if Robert Sala can go in and fix them. And, and again, I think we have to be fair. It's not to say the Jacks have been void of issues, uh, but maybe a cleaner slate of sorts. So that's kind of the feel up here that Jacksonville is a good place for Trevor Lawrence to be. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you make the argument that Trevor Lawrence was surrounded by great talent, uh, possibly in high school, but definitely at Clemson, and no one's going to debate that. I mean, Clemson's going to have a, you know, a few guys get drafted this year from from that offense, um, and you know, the offenses in the past that Trevor Lawrence played on. So there's no doubt about that. But at the same time, when you talk about Trevor Lawrence, you talk about a guy who can elevate the play around him. Like, that's what you want out of any quarterback. We talk about that with Tom Brady. We talk about that with Patrick Mahomes a little bit. And now, yeah, Patrick Mahomes came into a great situation because he had Travis Kelsey um, and he had Tyreek Hill. But the skill set still speaks for itself. Right, because you, you truly believe that you, you put Patrick Mahomes on any team, and immediately they get elevated um, to another caliber uh, of offense. And you look at Patrick Mahomes in college; like he didn't have the big names, right? Nobody's really talking about Patrick yeah, Mahomes in college. And maybe we didn't see it, but the skill set was there. There's a reason why he got drafted in the first round. There's a reason why Andy Reid and some other coaches fell in love with Patrick Mahomes because of what he showed on film, because of of what his teammates and his coaches said about him. So when you have Trevor Lawrence, yes, he's been the front runner. Yes, he's played with a lot of great talent, but that's that, that doesn't to me like that doesn't that doesn't sell it. It's the fact that that talent was, in my opinion, elevated at Clemson. They won a national championship. They they went to the college football playoff, and I think Trevor Lawrence can do the exact same thing here in Jacksonville. Now he plays on the offensive side of the ball. Where let's be honest, in terms of wide receivers, I've seen a worse group of wide receivers right now than this Jacksonville squad. All right, I've seen worse guys, obviously, than DJ Chark, uh, you know, than Keelan Cole, deciding what happens with him, um, you know, than than LaVisca Chenault and Colin Johnson looks promising at all, uh, as well. So with that being said, I mean, you like what you got for weapons, you got a running game, and now you want to see it be elevated. And I think Trevor Lawrence has the tools to do that. 
Hey, Justin Herbert's going to be Rookie of the Year, right? Uh, I don't think they've announced that yet. That'll be on NFL Honors. But he's like the hands-down Rookie of the Year in the NFL. And much like Aaron Rodgers, probably the hands-down MVP. But let's talk about the young guys and the young quarterbacks. People were impressed with Joe Burrow and what he was doing before he got hurt. And they kind of saw, okay, this kid's playing pretty good, but he's also they've got some holes. They, you know, they need some help on the offensive line. And Well, then what happened? He suffers a big injury, a knee injury. And, uh, you know, keep in mind, Trevor Lawrence has been pretty healthy overall through his career. Jags, I think, are in a better shape on their offensive line than Cincinnati is. But it's important to protect your, your franchise uh, in on every level, but uh, especially a young guy who's going to take some licks and going to learn a little bit. But as you look at those two players specifically, number one overall pick and then obviously top ten for Herbert, I'm going to leave Tua out of this, although you can bring him into it if you want. The Tua transition seems like it's going. it was planned to be a longer one. Keep in mind, the Herbert transition wasn't even planned necessarily. He just jumped in there and bam. I, I think he surprised even Anthony Lynn and the Chargers. Now, the Burrow uh, comparison is, is, is the best one because he was going to start from day one. So if you take those three guys in the top ten, what kind of season is Trevor Lawrence going to have? Like, what are the expectations for him in his rookie year? Uh, I'll 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 do this, Austin, and I'll just like couch it with for whoever team he plays for. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, but for Jacksonville is why we're talking about it. It's why we're sitting here at Cartersville High School where Trevor Lawrence played. I mean, what kind of what's the feel for that? What's success? We, we we'll talk wins, right? Plus five wins, plus six wins. Can they get to seven or eight wins? Who knows? But what does it look like? Feel like for Trevor Lawrence in his rookie season in the NFL to say, "All right, man, now this guy's got something. We can ride with it." Yeah, well, you know, let's go ahead and start with Joe Burrow then, right? Joe Burrow started uh, ten games, played in ten games, and obviously he had that catastrophic knee injury. In those ten games, he threw for thirteen touchdowns, five interceptions, and averaged two hundred and sixty-eight yards per game. The, the thing about Joe Burrow, and keep in mind, this is the, the bona fide number one pick of that draft right now. So there's some people that maybe were questioning it, but come on, man. I mean, Joe Burrow, you knew he was going number one. And when you have the receivers like they did, and they had A.J. Green, but he's in the back nine of his career. But you had T. Higgins come on. You had Tyler Boyd. Um, you had a, an, an okay running game. that didn't get really pick up a lot with Mixon. And then you had Giovanni Bernard. Like, you had a lot of offensive weapons. It kind of reminds you a little bit of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But the difference yeah. between the Jaguars and the Bengals is the fact that the offensive line there um, in Cincinnati was just it, it, it was lacking to say the least. You know, uh, Joe Burrow in those 10 games was sacked 32 times. So as far as expectations, because keep in mind, people were talking up Joe Burrow like he was going to be rookie of the year, and he very well might have been if he could set up for 16 games. Uh, but keep in mind, he only won two games out of that, that run right there. He went 2-7-1. and one. So yeah. with that being said, I think expectations should be a lot higher, actually, than Joe Burrow did his rookie year. I think in terms of touchdowns, obviously it's going to be more. Um, I think in terms of yards per game, it might be around the 268 range, you know, because you still have a solid running game with James Robinson, one would assume. Um, I think the offensive line takes care of him a little better. So I expect to have better numbers than Joe Burrow this year. If yeah, it, uh, Once again, if Trevor Lawrence does come to Jacksonville. <laughs> Good couch. Yeah. Couch that. That's yeah. a big if. Uh, maybe not so much of a big <laughs> if. What, why do you think Herbert, although he, do you think Herbert's success, or at least the people talking about Herbert, had as much to do with his play on the field, or it did with the surprise that it came with? You, you know, there was unexpected. They were playing Tyrod Taylor. All of a sudden, the guy gets a bad shot 
an ejection, and Herbert's in the game, and they don't even have time to prep the guy. I mean, it's like hours before. So, and then he just took off. And, you know, he had a stretch in the season where it didn't look as good, you know. Yeah. But they put a lot on his plate right away. They didn't baby him. They didn't bring him along. They just said, hey, go play, man. And, and yeah, you take your lumps. But I think, I feel like a little bit of the Herbert craze might be less about, okay, let's di- let's dissect everything he did on the field, how good he was, versus, wow, this guy really surprised us. We didn't expect this. Some wondered if he even should be, like, the top ten pick. And, and all the talk last year about him going back to school. And then he comes in and, and no prep time. And, and they weren't even going to play him or start him, uh, which, by the way, I advocated to because I'm not a huge Tyrod Taylor guy. Uh, and, and then on top of that, I think it was a New Orleans Saints game in prime time where it went toe-to-toe with the Saints and Breeze. Yeah. And so so you add those little elements in. It's like, okay, was Joe, was Herbert as good as he's going to be presented, or did it feel better than he was? Yeah, it's a good call, and I think it's a little bit of both. I think that it's the circumstances of the situation that he found himself in. When Herbert came in, and keep in mind that this guy played in 15 games, so essentially after week one, he was the guy. He goes 6-9, and nine, um, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and averaged around 289 yards per game. Now, that's pretty wow. impressive. Yep. With that being said, though, you see the situation that Justin Herbert was in where, you know, their defense had a lot of injuries and their defense was surrendering a lot of points. And when you surrender a lot of points, the offense has to keep up a little bit. So I think that you had a you had a running gun type of offense, especially when Austin Eckler, who was supposed to be their prized, you know, workhorse, if you will, after they let go of Melvin Gordon after Austin Eckler got hurt. Well, now you got Kalen Bellage, you got Justin Jackson going in, and it's not necessarily the same look as if Eckler was in there. So you had to rely more on the passing game now. And let's be honest, I mean, in terms of pass catching backs, with all due respect to Bellage and Jackson, they're not quite to Austin Eckler's level. So now you had to rely more on the deep passes. The thing that sets out Justin Herbert, though, and let's be honest, he's winning Rookie of the Year, um, props to him, and obviously Chargers fans, they like what they see from him going forward, and there's a lot of optimism right now with this Chargers team. But to me, what, what made it like everything click is the fact that you got a guy in Keenan Allen who's one of the most underrated wide receivers in the entire NFL. Yeah, and you, yeah. And you have a guy in Hunter Henry who might be one of the most underrated tight ends uh, in all of the NFL. When you have a receiver that's a go-to guy and you have a tight end who you can throw to the middle of the field, kind of like that fail-safe a little bit, and Justin Jackson had some receptions, I think, as well, and, and Bellage did all right as well. But if you have a running back as well who can, who you can kind of throw the ball to on those screens and those short checkdowns, well, you got something special. And that, to me, was once again – He's still throwing the ball to him, and it's and it's admirable and, and it's impressive. But he was in a fantastic situation there in L.A. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, here's how good. So the so the conversation is how good will he be, right? How good is he going to be initially? We'll see what he, he's been so good everywhere, folks. I mean, it's it's not hyperbole, and I'm not sure this is hyperbole. But I'm going to give you the quote from the local just about an hour ago. If he stays healthy, meaning barring injury, he's a no doubt Hall of Famer. In the NFL. That's how big or good they think Trevor Lawrence is around here. Mm-hmm. And now he's a hometown guy, so it comes with a sense of bias, of course. But I've talked to a lot of folks in the last couple of days. Nobody said that. <laughs> you know, And that's how that's just how he jumps off the field at you, jumps off the page at you, jumps 
and, and and he's it's a proven commodity in the sense of how much he's impressed the locals around here and, and the people that have watched him play for years and years. The, the things that he does on the football field. So uh, that's heady stuff right there, man. Sign me up. <laughs> no, I think anybody would take that. And let's be honest. I mean, I understand the Jaguars. They have maybe a pretty solid running game going forward with James Robinson. But the NFL shows us one thing, Brent. And if you want to make some noise in the playoffs, if you want to go to the Super Bowl, unless you got a guy by the name of Derrick Henry, you have to be able to pass the ball and you got to put up points. So to go along with, you know, the 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 prediction, if you will, or the theory that Trevor Lawrence can make it to the Hall of Fame, like, listen, let's let's see whether this guy looks like him black and teal first, not black and aqua mayor. But <laughs> but if we're, if we're being honest here, I mean, the way today's NFL game is shaped. It is set up for the quarterback to succeed and put up big-time numbers. And what the Jaguars have right now on, on the wide receiver position, they kind of need a tight end still. We'll see with that. But Trevor Lawrence can definitely put up big-time numbers. Uh, just so you know, they've had a quarterback run here at Cartersville High School. There's Trevor Lawrence, who is the best of them all. Uh, the young man went to Louisville, and I think he sits transferred after uh, Lawrence. And uh, Carlos Del Rio Wilson is... A Gator. He's on the campus of the University of Florida in Gainesville, early in Rowley. And he played for these guys in the fall and helped them to the state championship as a runner-up. Now, he wasn't homegrown. He kind of moved in and transferred in, and so he didn't even start the year as their quarterback. But they had a nice little run at quarterbacks. They know what quarterbacking looks like here at Cartersville High School uh, in Cartersville, Georgia. So uh, that's where we are. We continue our coverage on the road. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. When we come back, I want to get your thoughts on the Baseball Hall of Fame. Nobody going in. Is it right? Is it wrong? Where do you fall on this Austin Lane? And uh, it's kind of odd. Nobody going to Cooperstown in 2021. We'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Well, my feeling is I think you have to look at players within the context of their times. And the fact is, is that the sport was absolutely saturated with PDs. Uh, during that time. And the only reason why Bonds and Clements have cut more scrutiny is they were the best. There were literally thousands of players, minor league, major leaguers, under MLB's uh, baseball's umbrella who were using. And there are already (laughs) players who've been inducted to the Hall of Fame who were PD users. And I've been shocked at how the baseball writers, uh, a chunk of them anyway, have just essentially deemed themselves morality police. Absolutely. Buster only from ESPN, nobody goes to the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's the Hall of almost all the greats. Just (laughs) refuses to be the Hall of all the greats. It's unbelievable, in my opinion. Um, I I, I do this every year, and uh, it really starts with Pete Rose. Listen, Pete Rose has done his time. Uh, You know, Pete Rose, from betting on baseball to anything else as egregious as it's been proven or he denies or whatever else, all the stuff. Okay. He's done his time. I mean, that's why you should never do a lifetime ban, first of all, and now nobody wants to reverse that. Yeah. He leads all of baseball in hits. He's the hit king. He was a great player. It's just remarkable that whether it's morality, whether there's different things from a media standpoint, a public perception standpoint that prevent uh, these guys from voting them in, 
whether it's just old, stodgy writers, which I don't like doing that to the writers and voters. I don't like labeling them like that. Uh, I just feel like, come on. I, I say this all the time. This is the best way I can say it. I bring my kids to Cooperstown to go to the Baseball Hall of Fame, and I want to be able to tell them the story of baseball. I want to be able to show them the story of baseball. I want us to be able to say, this guy played in this era. This guy was great. This guy I read about, you know, whatever. And if you need to put an asterisk near it to say this guy gambled on baseball or bet on baseball or was proven to do this in baseball, well, fine. We can tell that part of the story, too. In fact, I think it should be told. But his accolades in the game of baseball say he should be a Baseball Hall of Famer. And I believe that with Barry Bonds. I believe that with Roger Clemens. There will be more of them that come along. And my other big part of this, Austin, is, and, and I've said this before, build a steroid wing then. Just put these guys in under the steroid era. That is fine. But I firmly, as a baseball fan, believe that Major League Baseball knew what was going on in that era. Mm. Steroids helped save baseball because of all the home runs and stig the long ball. They turned their cheek, and while they turned their cheek, everybody started doing it. Because it was the only way to stay in the big leagues, get this big money, stay on par with what everybody else was doing. And that doesn't take away from should they or shouldn't they, they. It's wrong. They shouldn't have done it. But some of these guys were great beyond steroids, and I think we all acknowledge and know that. Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer before the steroid era. Roger Clemens was a, was a Hall of Famer before the steroid era. These guys belong in the Hall of They're some of the greats. And by the way, their story should be told. It should be all-encompassing that Barry Bond's head swelled however many inches in, in you know, five years. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't count him as the home run king. I don't. I think that is Hank Aaron um, in my mind. And that's okay. Tell that part of the story. It's a museum, man. I mean, you have to tell the story of baseball. That's part of the story of baseball, whether they like it or not. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, as far as, you know, who gets into the Hall of Fame and who doesn't right now the way it stands, like, right, they didn't vote anybody in this year. I'll be honest with you, out of any other sport, um, I'm completely indifferent to the Baseball Hall of Fame right now where it stands, just because of the, the points that you mentioned. And I think that the whole point of a Hall of Fame is, yes, I understand stats are the driving factor, but it's also the influence and the history that you had on the game. And when I tell my son about the moments that I remember growing up as a kid following baseball, Sammy Sosa will be in there. Barry Bonds will be in there. Mark McGuire will be in there. Ken Griffey Jr. obviously is in there. And if I can't, like you said, if I can't, if I can't take my son and showcase, hey, man, like when I was your age, like this is, these, these were the guys. If I can't show him the guys, then in my opinion, the whole Hall of Fame, um, it's a scam, uh, to tell you the truth, and, and I don't take it seriously. And then you got the whole Kurt Schilling thing as well, but that's a whole different topic. But at the end of the day, um, until those guys get their just due, just like Pete Rose as well, I honestly could care less about the Baseball Hall of Fame. Listen, I'm a baseball purist, and listen, I get your arguments. I mean, you can be that. You can be the almighty on this and say, oh, well, they were bad people. Do want to go through the list of bad people? Do we want to start taking guys' busts out of the Hall of Fame? In Cooperstown, uh, there's an integrity to the game. Listen, I appreciate it. I respect it. Uh, tell the whole dang story. That's it. But put them in the damn Hall of Fame. They're Hall of Famers. That should be the end of the story. Writers, you got it wrong again. Get off your high horse. We'll be back. Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690, live from Cartersville, Georgia. Trevor Lawrence's hometown. This is where he played football. And one time he took on Bartram Trail. 
We're going to talk about that game from 2017. Coming up next on ESPN 690. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 